Welcome to Nature Centered, a podcast from Wild Birds Unlimited about feeding the birds and enjoying nature right in your own backyard. Here are your hosts, naturalists John Schaust and Brian Cunningham. Hey everyone, I'm John Schaust. And I am Brian Cunningham. And welcome to episode 25, Habitat Habits. Yep, we're going to talk about everything from buds to birds. And honestly, this will be our best episode for really learning about the importance of backyard habitat and some of the resources that will help bring it to reality in your own backyard. You know, John, we talk about habitat on pretty much every episode. It, it weaves in here and there. And, and there are really these, these basic components to habitat with food and water and cover places to raise young, and even a new fifth one, sustainability, which I know we're going to talk a little bit about today. And we're talking with the guy who actually wrote a pretty comprehensive book all about this for our own yards. You know, backyard gardeners, landscape gardeners, whatever you want to call it, what label you want to put on it, as stewards of our own property, man, we've never had a better opportunity. We've never been so empowered to make a difference for wildlife in our own little world. If you think of it in those terms, you know, if we, we we talk about Wild Birds Unlimited has, you know, we probably have a million plus customers coming through our 350 stores. Can you imagine the difference we could make if we could get a large percentage of those customers doing just some backyard habitat gardening and making a difference? It's amazing. Typically, at this point, we kind of talk about what's going on in our own yards and what kind of birds and whatever else is happening in nature in our backyards. But we really need to bring our special guest in to help us talk about what's going on also in his backyard. David Mezajewski, the naturalist for National Wildlife Federation. Welcome, David. Hey, guys. So, so excited to be here with you. Really appreciate all the work you're doing and uh, really appreciate your book, Attracting Birds, Butterflies and Other Backyard Wildlife. So what is going on in your backyard? It's spring. We're in the middle of March. Lots of things popping. Yeah. So last year, just just before the pandemic hit, I bought a new house. I relocated uh, from Washington, D.C., where I was living, up to New Jersey, just outside of uh, New York City. And so I have spent a lot of this past year, while I've been kind of cooped up at home, just kind of enjoying being in that space and kind of learning the, the rhythms of of this new yard that I'm in. And that's something that I always recommend for, for folks, even if you haven't just moved. Thinking about how you want to shape your your yard or your garden space into something that maybe, you know, kind of fits better into the natural ecosystem. It really does start with observing. And that's really kind of the core about of what being a naturalist is all about. I have had some really great bird activity. Um, I have, uh, you know, seen, you know, the, all the common ones, but also a few interesting ones that you might not always expect to see. Lots of mammals as well. The squirrels here in my new town. <laughs> squirrels are everywhere. <laughs> yeah. I mean, but but listen, guys, let me tell you. I've lived in Georgia. I've lived in D.C. I've lived in Virginia. I've lived in Massachusetts. The squirrels The Jersey here, squirrels. Yes, exactly. Like these guys are, they're, they're mobsters. So to, use, to use a played out stereotype. Um, That's I a mean, riot. These squirrels completely just destroyed everything. Literally everything they wow. could get their little paws and wow. faces on. I grew a tomato plant. Those squirrels got every single tomato, even before they were ripe. They got the green ones. It's um, my backyard. Yeah. Thanks yeah. for bringing the stuff. This yeah. is yeah. great. Talk so, about yeah. habitat. Yeah, I, I'm an expert in this 
in all this wildlife habitat stuff and and backyard habitat and natural gardens and welcoming wildlife. But I'm just like everybody else out there. The squirrels drive me bonkers too. So, <laughs> well, hey, Brian, I think we just have a new product idea. We'll start selling cherry tomatoes to feed the squirrels in people's backyards. What do you think? There you go. There you go. <laughs> Draw them away from your bird feeders. Give them the tomatoes. The cherry tomato feeder. I love it. <laughs> it, it would work at least here. I, you know, I know the other thing I noticed is why is it on this show? Anytime anybody brings up squirrels, Brian and I immediately start laughing. <laughs> <laughs> well, I think it's the the stigma of the squirrel. I mean, <laughs> well, everybody everybody fights with squirrels at some point. If you're a backyard bird feeder, it's just the bottom line. And we hear so many unbelievable stories about how squirrels have outwitted everything that we can throw at them. So it's it's pretty funny. So, David, if you wouldn't mind, I'd like to kind of circle back. We we did a real brief introduction as to the fact that you're the naturalist with the National Wildlife Federation. But tell us a little about you and why what what that role entails and 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 the background that you have. Sure, absolutely. Well, so you know, I I like to think of myself as a lifelong nature geek. Um, people <laughs> always say, "How did you get into all this stuff?" And 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 I tell them quite honestly. I was born this way. You know, I, as a little kid, was so drawn to to animals and nature, and I was really lucky. Um, I grew up here in New Jersey to uh, to be able to, as a kid, just kind of run around in my neighborhood, which is surrounded by woods and wetlands, and just explore. And unfortunately, that's happening less and less today, where kids get mm-hmm. to just kind of mm-hmm. explore nature on their own terms. But at any rate, uh, you know, kind of really sparked this this love of nature. And, you know, I went on to study human and natural ecology and um, got really in high school into this whole idea of restoring the ecology of our of our cities and our towns and our neighborhoods and and really kind of sharing our space with so many wildlife species that we can happily coexist with if we just give them some habitat. So you know I'm not talking about mountain lions and bears and alligators in our backyards, but you know birds and butterflies and bees, small frogs, so many wildlife species. And so yeah. Um, eventually I came to the National Wildlife Federation, um, in fact, go. almost 21 years ago. You don't look that old. Thank you. I appreciate that. <laughs> Too bad this isn't video. Everyone, you know, uh, but, uh, I started there fairly young. I was 24 years old and, um, I was hired to be the manager of what we called back then the backyard wildlife habitat program. We now call it the garden for wildlife program. We found that by c- defining it as a quote unquote backyard, yeah. A lot, it actually yeah. turned a lot of people away that might have otherwise participated. You know, people would send us, you know, emails and I hear in conversations, like, oh, I've got a great butterfly garden. It's in my front yard, though, so it doesn't count. And I'd say, people, we're not talking literal backyards. Like, if you have a wildlife <laughs> garden, it, it counts, right? But and we shifted the focus away from the place, the backyard, and more on the act, the whole idea of gardening for wildlife, mm-hmm. like nurturing mm-hmm. a landscape. That's going to provide natural elements of habitat. I think one of the really important things here, David, because again, I <laughs> I go back a few years farther than both you guys. Uh, and when we first got into talking about conservation, honestly, it was all about sacrificing. You had to give this up. You had to stop doing this. You had to reduce this. You had to walk away from this. You know, it was all all about things you had to give up to help conserve the planet. The thing that I absolutely love about putting the emphasis on changing our backyards, our yards, our suburban lawns into really high quality habitat for insects and butterflies and birds and all kinds of different wildlife is that it's actually getting a bonus. 
It's not giving up anything. It's bringing some really cool things into your world and some real positive things. So it's just, it's just a whole different way of looking at conservation that I just really am excited yeah. about. Yeah. So the core concept of what a, what we call a wildlife habitat garden, a quote unquote backyard habitat, you know, is all about is, you know, again, providing those essential components of survival that all wildlife species need. And one of the beauties of this program, you know, that again, I don't take credit for it because it's, you know, started long before I was around, um, is that it's really based on just like very basic wildlife biology 101. We probably all learned this, you know, probably in middle school. What do all wildlife need to survive? Well, they need a food source. They need water. They need sort of cover or shelter, places to hide, places to get out of the weather. And they need the resources in order to reproduce or what we call places to raise young. So with the, the Garden for Wildlife program, all we did is, is take those four components of habitat and interpret them through the lens of how you can provide those things right where you live. So, you know, lions on the African savannas need those four things. Crocodiles in Australia need those things. But the chickadee in your backyard needs it as well. Mm-hmm. And so mm-hmm. it's, it's just this very simple, basic wildlife biology translated into a kind of a you know, a garden setting. And that makes it easy, right? Because it's easy for people to remember. And the other brilliant thing about it is that you can apply those things in a million different ways. So every backyard habitat does not look the same. You know, somebody in Arizona is going to be implementing those things in a certain way that looks very different than somebody in New York City. That's the, the wonder of it is that you can really customize this to however much space you have, um, to what your local environment is like, to the kinds of wildlife you want to attract. You know, we've talked about squirrels before, um, and this is a this is an important point. Even squirrels need all those components, right? <laughs> they do, but it's totally okay if you want to discourage certain species of wildlife. You know, we know that sometimes some critters, they can be a little bit of a pain in the butt, right? So the squirrels, mm-hmm. you know, if you have raccoons getting into your trash cans, you know, deer, they're beautiful, but they'll do a number on your garden. So I, I just want to dispel that myth because um, it's an important one is that just because you're creating a wildlife habitat garden doesn't mean that you have to just completely be overrun or whatever. Right. And in fact, it's really it's really about creating a balanced natural ecosystem. And so if you want to have, say, butterflies, uh, you know, you need their caterpillar host plants, right? Mm-hmm. And if the deer come in and devour all of those host plants, then you don't have the, the butterflies, right? So it's about creating that balance and, and understanding that. So, you know, Garden for Wildlife, again, isn't having a weedy mess of a yard or allowing every animal under the sun to come in and trash everything, right? It's about being deliberate and focused and building this wonderful, thriving oasis. Again, it could be a, a big suburban yard. It could be an urban, you know, row house backyard, like my old house in DC. It's, it's that core concept. Food, water, cover, places to raise young, and what we call sustainable gardening. So maintaining it naturally, not nuking your yard with pesticides, um, not wasting water, all that kind of stuff. Not letting your cat outside to devour all the birds that you've just attracted, right? If you provide the four components of habitat and you commit to sustainable natural gardening, those are the things that you need to do in order to achieve what we call certified wildlife habitat status for your backyard or whatever garden space. And of course, yeah. Wild Birds Unlimited is our certified wildlife habitat champion. And you guys are out there really helping us get the message out there about that. So I just want to say thank you for that because you reach so many people. And every time you guys do 
any kind of push or promotion, we see a big uptick in people participating. And that's just so fantastic. I put my sign out here at my house, only one in the neighborhood. Within a year, there are four in the neighborhood. That's awesome. (laughs) So it's working. People see that and go, well, yeah, what's that all about? And, you know, you share it with them and they they go do it. But I do want to say we need to edit out that part about your yard not looking weedy. My, my my neighbors might hear that, and I'll be in trouble. So, well, actually, no. Look, so so this is this is an important thing. You know, if you're picking the right plants, mm-hmm. um, yep. it could be very neat and tidy. You know, or if it's your aesthetic, or if you can, you know, not have people in your neighborhood come after you with pitchforks and your HOA, you know, you know, fine you or whatever. You can go for a much more wild look. You've you know? been to my neighborhood. <laughs> Aesthetics should not be a detriment to people participating. For sure. But For sure. just make sure you're planting the right native plant species that are really going to support wow. wildlife. You know, maybe you can do a little bit more of a wild look in your backyard or someplace that maybe isn't going to, you know, again, kind of trigger those things and people that don't understand how important this is. I will say, though, we do encourage folks wherever possible to get involved locally, right, uh, with with those kinds of regulations, with your HOA with your local weed mm-hmm. ordinances, because the fact of the matter is, is that the conventional American landscape with a big lawn and a handful of non-native plants that, you know, shrubs and whatnot that literally don't support any wildlife, even though they look beautiful and they're green, they're essentially dead zones. They, they, you might as well have, yeah. have plastic plants out there. Can you so, explain that? You know, I don't know that everybody always knows the connection. Why? why? Yes. Insects yep. and other animals, plants a plant. Why don't they just use any plant? Yep. Why, yeah. why do we have to do all this work to bring in all these native plants to make a difference? That, thank you for, for bringing me back to that very core message and point here. And, you know, a lot of times people say to me, wait a second, you, you're you talking about garden for wildlife. Don't I want to get rid of the wildlife in my garden? Don't, <laughs> you know, that, that is the conventional garden advice, even to this day, right? But you know, when we create these landscapes that don't mm-hmm, have mm-hmm. anything that the wildlife need, and we specifically, you know, use plants that don't support anything, why do you think the North American bird population is, is you know, plummeting and we have 3 billion less birds in the population today than we did in 1970? Why do you think the monarch butterfly population is also crashing, mm-hmm. um, you know, by as much as 99% Maybe, yeah, yeah. for the Western monarch, right? Why yeah. do you think so many, you know, once common songbirds just are, are, are absent, right? Why do you think bees are disappearing? One of the main big reasons is the spread of lawns and pesticides yeah. and paint, right? Yeah, 40 million acres of lawns yeah, in the U.S. Think about that, right? <laughs> and when you, when you know that lawns don't support wildlife, this is the connection. This is why a wildlife group like the National Wildlife Federation and a company like Wild Birds Unlimited, who does focus on wildlife, which are the birds, what's the connection with gardening? Here is, here's the connection. It's because plants are the foundation of wildlife habitat. And that is true, you know, off in the wilderness, but it's also true right outside our doors. And so in nature, plants are, are kind of the, well, if you want to get science-y, bio, biology 101, again, it's they're, they're the primary producers, right? They grow. And they that's capture, okay to get sciencey on this podcast. We're good with that. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not going to get too sciencey, but you know, I mean, they're, they're primary producers. They capture the sunlight, mm-hmm. they pull water and nutrients from the soil, and they produce essentially food. Um, they produce seeds, berries, nuts, nectar, sap, pollen, 
And of course, their, their foliage is, is important food. They're the first layer of the food web that supports all the wildlife above it, right? So if you want to actually create a habitat, if you want to restore habitat, if you want to make your yard, again, connected to the local ecosystem, and if you want to see more birds and butterflies in your yard, mm-hmm. you have to start with thinking about your plants. Yep. You know, kind of a simple way to observe this actually in reality I always encourage people to just walk around your yard and you literally can look at the non-native plants and there's very little insect damage on those because there's so few insects native that can utilize them. And then you see the oaks and the maples and the tulip trees and the spice bush and the, all the other uh, you know plants that are out there. And you realize, yeah, there's a lot of things chewing on these things and the trees adapt it. It's perfectly capable of being chewed up like that and doing just fine. But the difference in looking just at the leaves is is a, an education in itself in regards yeah. to how this whole thing yes. works. talk a lot about about the food aspect and that of course is critical but just a little little plug for why you know you want to think even beyond just those food sources and think about those other components of habitat notably you know sort of cover um some of the bird species that i've seen in my new yard here have been brown creepers and golden crown kinglets oh so much fun Um, you know my house is almost 90 years old and on the one side I've got these really big, mature shrubs, a rhododendron and a mountain laurel. And these, nice. you know, these are 10 nice. feet tall, and which is how big those, those shrubs want to grow, by the way. A lot of times people plant them in the front of their house, and then they completely, you know, as foundation <laughs> plants. But this is on the side. And that's actually, the what, go? <laughs> that's actually what they've done. They're so big that they actually cover the windows. This is in my dining room. And it works perfectly because... My neighbor's house is right there on that side, so it provides a little natural screen. But what it also mm-hmm. does is gives me a little window into the oh, wow. interior of those shrubs. Ah, and nice. so I'll sit there Fantastic. and I'll just look out the window and I can see all the birds hiding out nice. in these dense evergreen shrubs. So yes, they're, the, the, the kinglet is in there you know, foraging, the, the brown creepers are, are looking for food on the tree bark and everything, but they're hiding out. That's cover. And I get to see it from the inside of my house. It's almost like Very I'm nice. in, I'm a zoo animal in the enclosure looking out into nature. So, you know, it's, you know, think about the food, think about the, the water, but, you know, don't forget about the cover as well. And that's, again, just planting densely. And the more you do that, the more diversity you're going to see. So, David, we, <laughs> we're Wild Birds Unlimited. Obviously, we love bringing people in nature together in regards to watching birds in their backyard at the feeders. What role does bird feeding have in all this that we're talking about? Well, bird feeding is, is I like to think of it as kind of like the gateway into this bigger world of habitat. Bird feeding is such a, it, it's such an easy thing to do. And it's something that brings so much joy. You know, so when you put out a feeder for, you know, all of the different species that will actually come and visit a feeder, you know, not all birds will, but a good number will. Um, what you do is create an opportunity where you can see and experience wildlife on a daily basis. And John, you mentioned this a couple minutes ago um, about this idea of a, of a conservation effort that is positive and that is actually rewarded, that you can actually see with your own two eyes the, the mm-hmm. wildlife that are benefiting. And, and yeah. bird feeding, again, really is kind of like a perfect example of that because 
we all like again if you're listening to this i don't have to explain to you the joy <laughs> that happens when you look out your window and look i've been doing this my whole life and i every morning go out you know i pour my coffee and i look out my window at my mm-hmm. bird feeder to see who's out there and i get a big smile on my face right yep. so yep. Well, that sounds what, familiar <laughs> right and i think um you know what what we're hoping is that when people are putting out bird feeders and you know bird baths and nesting boxes and all the great things that folks can do to kind of enhance the natural habitat is that they begin to connect some of the dots and they think about, well, what else can I be doing? Um, and here's the, here's the, what I always say, you know, if, if you're a bird feeder, uh, somebody who feeds birds, right? Um, a person who feeds birds. <laughs> I am a bird feeder. <laughs> I mean, you know, the, the, the birds eat the seeds. You got to go out there and keep your feeder filled. You got to clean them periodically, right? So bird, um, when you plant, when you feed the birds, the way mother nature does with your native plants, it's year round. They, you never need to refill them. You never need to clean them. Plus they're beautiful. They're going to be doing the work in the background of providing that habitat. And then, you know, obviously, you know, your feeders are still fantastic and they're going to give you that daily opportunity to see the birds in the same spot every day. Um, But, you know, by, by the act of putting out a feeder, I think it really helps people connect the dots that these are animals and they need a food they, and they need a steady food supply. And, um, you know, when you go on vacation, you don't have to worry about the birds going hungry because your feeder's empty, you know, if you also have a lot of native plants in your yard. And so, um, yeah, so I think bird feeding is, and, and just sort of backyard birding in general is, um, it's that catalyst, I think, that gets people down the path of becoming an actual conservationist, even if they don't think about themselves in right, that exactly. way. Exactly. Yeah. Well, it's our new marketing Backyard bird feeding, a gateway. It really <laughs> I is. It. I mean, <laughs> so we've been talking about a lot of different components of habitat and then the native parts of things. But when it comes to garden for wildlife and being able to say, okay, I want to make sure I have all the components. Let's break down some examples of those components of, of habitat so people have some practical ideas in mind that they can go after. Well, it really does start with your plants and, again, primarily native plants. They're going to provide three of those four components of habitat. So, again, it's food, water, cover, places to raise young. So your plants are going to provide food in the form of all those great things that we've listed. So seeds and nuts and berries and fruit and nectar and sap and pollen. These are all natural plant-based sources of food, but those native plants are also going to support wildlife at the bottom of that food web. So most notably caterpillars. So the caterpillars are going to feed on those plants and then those caterpillars become food for the birds. So let me give you another example, bees. We've got all of these fantastic bee species here in North America, 4,000. It's not the domesticated honeybee. Well, we're finding (laughs) more and more that a lot of our native wild bee species are actually what we call pollen specialists. So just like the butterflies and moths need that host plant for their caterpillars, some 25 to 30% of our bee species, many of which are declining, also need specific native plants to be able to gather the pollen from that plant to feed their babies. So again, plants are really the core of where the food sources are coming from. Now, going back to the plants and those other components, cover, Again, it's all about giving animals uh, a place to hide from predators, if they're predatory, a place where they can kind of lie in wait for their prey, um, and also to get out of the elements. So your plants are going to do double duty. Those same plants that are going to be feeding wildlife are going to be where the animals are going to hide out. The key with this, with cover, is to just plant densely, right? Mimic Mother Nature. Don't just have one tree plunked out in the middle of the lawn. Have that tree, Mm -hmm. that big canopy tree, but underplant it 
with an understory tree and then some shrubs and then some, you know, wildflowers and ferns underneath. And suddenly have all of this cover that animals can hide out. of. So your plants are going to provide food. They're going to provide cover places to raise young. Same thing, right? A lot of the same places that animals are going to find cover or shelter in are going to be where their nests. So think about that. And then, you know, you throw in a bird bath that counts as the water source. And you've got those four components of habitat. And again, anybody anywhere can do this. You know, your, your plants are going to be different in different regions of the country, your native plants. And your wildlife garden is going to look totally different depending on how much space you have and what plant material you're working with. But anybody can do this and mix it up to create the space that works for you, but also helps out the wildlife. So that's the four components of habitat in a nutshell. No pun intended. <laughs> All right, guys, any any last minute thoughts before we, we wrap up for the day? I would just say that, you know, we're, we're in springtime. This is the time of year when everyone's kind of thinking about getting their fingers in the dirt and planting stuff and growth and life. And, and so, you know, take advantage of that and plant some native plants. Think about things that wildlife need to survive, food, water, cover, places to raise young. Start small. Don't be overwhelmed. Every little bit counts. And then continue that all year long. It's not just something you can do in the spring. You can be doing things to help out the wildlife in the summer and the fall and the winter. And the beauty is, is that it builds on itself. So whatever you do this spring is going to reap the rewards right now, but even more so next year. And I tell you what, what it brings to your life when you start bringing these insects and these birds into your world, it is everything. And it just makes things so much every day. You have that connection with nature, which is so important for so many of us. So. Well, as we are wrapping up here, it has been wonderful to be able to talk with David Mizajewski. And on behalf of all of us at Wild Birds Unlimited, we want to thank everyone for joining us. And be sure to check out our show notes to learn all about David's book about attracting birds, butterflies, and other backyard wildlife. As well, you can learn all about how to get your yard a certified wildlife habitat with the National Wildlife Federation. Yeah. Well, David, again, thank you so much for being a part of our podcast today. It's been incredible. We've loved hearing your stories, your expert knowledge. If you don't mind, maybe we'll have you back again soon. Well, it was totally my pleasure. Um, You know, really have appreciated everything everyone at Wild Birds Unlimited has done over the years to promote this whole idea of backyard habitat and gardening for wildlife and supporting the National Wildlife Federation. And you don't have to ask me twice. I would love to come back. We could talk about all sorts of different stuff. You know, the, the world of, of, of wildlife gardening, um, there's so many avenues you can go down. So count me in. Outstanding. And be sure to join us next time when we really are going to let nature be our guide. And please rate and review us on Apple Podcasts or wherever you listen, because we definitely are interested in your feedback. So until then, thank you. And take care. Thanks for joining us, everyone. Thanks for listening to this episode of Nature Centered. To subscribe to this podcast, for show notes, or to connect with the Wild Birds Unlimited store nearest you, visit wbu.com slash podcast. Until we meet again, take some time to relax, enjoy the birds, get out in your backyard, and stay nature-centered. <laughs>